We are going live and we are live. Welcome to Tuesday where in Broward County, at least, the sun is back. So ready to get after it this morning. Good morning, fellas. We got the doom and gloom up here in Palm Beach. It's been uh, raining steadily. I, I don't even call it. It's coming down in sheets since 4 a.m. this you're, morning. So uh, I actually I actually ran my own parking garage today for the first time and saw someone else there. I scared the shit out of this guy. Man. Like, what, are you, what are you doing, man? He goes, I thought I had it to myself, man. Uh, that's funny. So the, yeah, the weather matches your uh, your your feelings after watching your poor Jets blow another one last dude, night. Dude, you know, it's almost surreal. I mean, it, it is surreal to me that they could continually, over the course of time, Giveaway games, man. That was a winnable game. We, you know, you scored 27 points. The offense looked great. Um, uh, Jake's, uh, Jake's guy, uh, Michael Lapirine, um, you know, Michael Pirine, La Michael Pirine, sorry. Yeah. Um, he, he did great. You know, the, the offense actually scored points. Come to the fourth quarter, the numb nuts. They just forget that they're playing a football game. And it's like, <laughs> what does that mean to you? When that happens in the fourth quarter and your guys don't perform, what does that mean? They don't know how to finish. I mean, they are not the coached court. well. They yeah. are not coached well. They are not That's coached. The Adam Gase is on the standline, like, what the fuck happened? You know, like seriously, dude. So I I would I, there was hold, one hold thing on. that I took hold away on, from on. time. Hold on, hold on. What? Rachel Barton sh shows up today. She says, "Happy Monday." <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic. That is a classic. Rachel, you hang in there on Monday. <laughs> you make it a great Monday, lady. You are awesome. <laughs> That's great. Um, but so one thing I took away from Tommy Tuberville, he said this. He said. I'll watch the field goal, the extra points. I would only watch the extra points and decide how well coached the team was because of the effort they would give on that play. Most people look at the extra point as it's a gimme, right? The field goal team lines up. They're going to kick it through the uprights. The defense lines up, whatever. And he would say, like, if those guys are giving effort, if they're trying to block that kick, no matter what point of the game is, they're a well-coached football team and they'll fight their ass off for four quarters. So I can guarantee you that Adam Gase is not having their, them fight their ass off on an extra point to no, finish it. No, no. And, and I mean, the offensive play calling who <laughs> he's supposed to be the, you know, the, the quarterback whisperer, seriously, you know, that with, you know, the ball with, with a less than a minute left and you give it back to them. Um, it was, it's no disastrous. good. It's no good. So um, celebrate the wins, accept the losses, 24 hours. I, I'll tell you what, how about 24 minutes? Plus well, so that, it's interesting. Yeah. The 24-hour rule really, depending on your week, so they played on a Monday night, they don't get a 24-hour rule. They get like no, a 12-hour yeah. rule, especially because if you don't get a bye week coming on Sunday, you're on a shortened week. The turnaround is faster. And so I remember playing on a Thursday night game or a Monday night game to open up the season against Miami, and – we won that game. We lost that game. Whatever it was, it didn't matter. You got to turn right back around and get right back into game mode to get ready for your next one. So um, let's say let's let's go to some morning motivational music and let's get this thing kicked off the right way.
so, so you plucked <laughs> one from my era, which is you that's nineties. What do you mean your era? That's the nineties, and that's a, that's an ultimate one-hit wonder. The only yeah. song they ever produced, never again. Um, Name but a group? great song, great lyrics. Oh, um, I'm gonna forget now. Do you know it? I'm, I'm not sure. Tower of Power. No, it's oh no, it's like new, new. Shay, do you know it? Do you have it from where we pulled it yesterday? I don't know, man. Wow. I can't think of it. I did not. Um, well, good, good trivia it up. for anybody no, that no has it in the comments. Yeah, make it up. No one's going to know anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Carissa called it out as soon as it started getting there. You get what you give. Shay, you got it? You get what you uh, give. Hold on, I'll tell you in a second. New Radicals. New radical. New radicals. I knew it was Thank new you. something. Look at Carissa. Got it right straight away. Carissa. Well Carissa, done, Carissa. Carissa, when the t-shirts arrive, you get the first one. <laughs> um, For sure. Mark, the video's good, so when you're ready. Awesome. So um and and Dave Stavali with the classic line, the Jets and Lions <laughs> should just play each other 16 times with bags on their heads. <laughs> so. well, well, you know what? They should actually take a couple of teams. And just move them to a higher degree of college football because that's the com competition. They're not. Uh, they, they're not certainly looking like the Saints or some of the. You know, some of those. Things. So, Crazy. Uh, so awesome! Great lyrics in that song. You get what you give, and that's really going to be the theme of a lot of what we talk about today. But um, talking about giving to get, which is a rule in the book, obviously. Um, these guys absolutely give everything they have for us. And today is the United States Mar Marine Corps' birthday. So happy birthday to the United States Marine Corps. Um, November 10th, 1775, the Continental Congress first established the Marines. And I think the Marines are a little special because they fit in where they need to. They're not the Army, which is by land. They're not the Navy, which is by sea. They're not the Air Force, which is by air. There's these guys that their training adapts to what the circumstances are, you know, courage, commitment, loyalty, self-sacrifice, and adaptability are their five core principles. And um, impossible to talk about the Marines without showing a couple video clips. So, Shay, take us to the first one. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. And the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? Sir, sir yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sound off like you got a pair. Sir, yes, sir. If you ladies leave my island, if you survive recruit training, you will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are pukes. You are the lowest form of life on earth. You are not even human fucking beings. You are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian shit. Because I am hard, you will not like me. But the more you hate me, the more you will learn. I am hard, but I am fair. So I am hard, but I am fair. And listen, the more you get to know me, the more you'll hate me. And this is a true fact. Anybody that worked for me in the phone business will tell you to this day that I was the biggest prick that walked the planet, but they are all in high paying senior positions or ownership somewhere in the world because of that 
way. That's the way I grew up when I learned. I didn't learn like it's okay if you fail. You know, that was bullshit to me, man. That was like, this is not going to be easy, but the harder it is, the more you're learning all of that mentality. And you know, I'm a fan of that. To some degree, that's how you grew up. There was, sure. you know, there, there wasn't a lot of softness around some of our training. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and continued that way through my start in, in college football. Like, you know, and, and th there is a balance here. I think, you know, there, that, that mentality that obviously that doesn't work all the time anymore. And you hear him reference, you know, say it like you got a pair. Well, now you've got women that are just as tough or tougher than a lot of the Marines that are in it. So it's not about having a pair. It's about having the mental and, and mental toughness and the mental discipline to be accountable to doing what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do it, when you're supposed to do it over and over and over. And that hard line that he holds is great. I mean, if you look at the movies through history that portrayed that, you know, officer or officer and a gentleman, Louis Gossett Jr. was also Mayo one of those guys. Mayo <laughs> so, you know, I, But there is probably one classic that I know you're going to show Wait, that. Yes, so Shay, take, us, take us to the next video. Please, Colonel. You snotty little bastard. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. The court will wait for an answer. If Lieutenant Kendrick gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, then why did he have to be transferred? Colonel, Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object! And when you went bad, you cut cousins. these guys loose! Your Honor, you had Marcus inside a phony transfer. Your Honor, you doctored the logbook. Damn it, Captain! You coerced the doctor. Consider yourself in contempt. Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled to You them. want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago, and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. So, so could, could that be the, maybe two of the best actors ever? Mm. Going at it, in a it scene. going at it, man. Yeah, it's uh, but really so good stuff. Th there's a nugget in there that says, you know, you weep for Santiago, but his death probably saved lives. I think that's while a tragic. hard, while, yeah, while, while tragic. The, the 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 hard part to running an organization is identifying weak members that aren't able to meet the Ooh. standard and get to where you know you need them to be and understanding that it's okay to say that you don't fit here. You know, that, that, that those are hard conversations that leaders have to be willing to have and you, you have to do it not for yourself, but for the organization. If, if, you are, if you are truly willing to lead the organization and hold the standard of excellence that is necessary, we're gonna talk about a team that does that later on, you have to be willing to part ways with people that you know are not going to get there because it will save lives or, you know, obviously in the military, right. it saves lives. But in business, 
it will save revenue. It will save deals. It will change relationships. It will change the organization in a way that you have to make that decision in order to get there. You know, one of my friends, and we may have talked about on this, is a lady named Claude Silver. She's the chief heart officer for Gary Vee's companies. You know, when we visited with her in New York, she talked about when they identify somebody who's not a fit, they actually go out of their way to find them a job somewhere else. So they plant people all over the place that are still fans. I don't think, I think the problem with the philosophy is if they don't fit, you're the enemy, get them out. And that's not Correct. necessarily the case. You're not the fit. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's brings up a really interesting topic, but I know you're going deep today on some learning and stuff that I love yeah. I, I, today. So today is awesome. Staying on the, on the Marine Corps mentality or staying in that vein, um, Bill Murphy, who we love and, and writes on unbelievable stuff and started his, uh, you know, his, uh, his, his, uh, newsletter that's called, yeah, go ahead. Well, Faith McKinney is on, is joining us in Facebook. She was who Bill actually wrote about. She started Correct. Her, her career. And in his so, newsletter, in his right. newsletter, he, you know, he wrote about her, but this came out on Inc. prior to him starting his new newsletter. And he wrote about how the, uh, the, the Marines used the rule of three to organize almost everything. U.S. Marines are trained to make split decision seconds based on incomplete information and life or death situations. And they use the rule of three, which we've talked about a lot in order to organize it. And, you know, in, in terms of organizational structure, the rule of three means a corporal has a three person firing team. A sergeant has a squad of three fire teams. A lieutenant has a staff and a staff sergeant have a platoon of three squads and so on. So they break up the organization that way. And that's how they keep it clear and concise on what am I focused on and how do I make split, split, the second, split second decisions based on the information that I have? Because as a football coach, everything is an information-based decision. There is a gut feeling to run a trick play or to call a pass or a run, but most of it is binary. Most of it is you're focusing on run or pass, go forward or don't, right? Uh, these all, all of these options are two. The way to really find the next best option is to break it into three because in your mind, pattern recognition-wise, we're built to find rhythms and find patterns. And the smallest amount of options to create a pattern is three. So it all goes into this organizational structure so for instance, for, he puts this out there for my work, a new publication I'm launching called Understandably, so this was a year ago at the time that he was doing it, a digital technology product that I'm developing with a colleague and, um, and his work for Inc. So those are his three buckets that he breaks out his professional focus. And that's the only place that he's going is one, two, three, one, two, three. Once, a, once one of those things are done or he moves on to another thing, he can slide another one in there. But I think it's great organizational structure of trying to figure, you can't do everything. You can't be everything to everybody. You have to discipline yourself to what are my three priorities? You know, I think um, it, it brings up a great point when companies go out to bid, when they bid for products, they usually get three bids. You know, the law, right. uh, the we talk about the power of three way back to when you, me, and Jake were having uh, dinner in at uh, what's, what's the place we ate at? Uh, 
Well, and, Mia's uh, was the bottle. Mia's, Mia's was, was the bottle of wine. Which the M was the three, and it is a Correct. mystical power, the power of three. So you know I'm all about it. Yeah. So in my mind, where like you, you just talk about what are you focusing on? How am I continuing to improve myself daily? Where am I going? Am I focused on being a great family man? Meaning I'm focused on being a husband and a father. Am I focused on being a great professional? And what does that mean? I've got my daily activities. And then am I focused on being, you know, great in, in fitness? You know, for me, those are the three major buckets that I can focus on at one time. I pull another one in. It's hard to focus on your fitness and add another thing as you're doing everything else. So, and for me, when you look at football, football is seasonal, right? And I believe life is that way as well. During the season, the game was the main focus, right? And everything revolved around how do we make the game successful? But as soon as the season is over, that didn't mean we stopped working. We worked in a different way. We worked to condition ourselves. We worked to improve on our fundamentals and techniques. We work to bring in people. So every part of the year has a season. I think business flows that way. You should be looking at when you're super busy and say this point of the year, the, the, the current clients that we have are the focus. This is what we're focused on is delivering great customer experience and retaining everybody and making sure that we're focused on our core principles of our business. When you're a little bit slower during the year, that allows you to really focus more heavily on business development and bringing in new people or honing skills and training or motivation, culture, all of those things. If you try to pack all of that into every month, you'll never get anywhere with any of it. But if you break it up into this is our main focus and you work in a seasonal flow, it allows you to really develop every area. Shay, Shay, could you show me the X, please? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. So still have a thought that is uh, contrary to what you just said. And, and sure. here's my philosophy. I remember still to this day that the beginning of November, people would say to themselves, Thanksgiving is coming. Everything's going to slow down. You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to slow down because they're going to slow down. And so mindset wise, what did I, yep. so, what? you know, so, so I think if you pre-prepare that it's slow, I'm going to do this, or it's busy, I'm going to do this. You miss out on creating the flow. And that's what I think, you know, like I talk about this a lot and it blows people's minds. Lions hunt when they're full. So sure. when you're busiest, that's when you need to manage the prospecting bucket because that takes care of times when it's not. You know me. I'm a prospecting nut. You, you've watched me point to you and say, we are jammed to shit. You know, we got to go prospecting. Sure. And you looked at me like, what, what are you talking about? So I agree with you. I'm not saying that you stop doing things. I think if you try to be 100% prospecting, when you're your busiest, it's impossible to do both really well. I think you've got to say, okay, if I'm slammed with 25 coaching clients in three days, it's hard to find time to prospect for eight hours in a day during that time. Not saying don't do it. I think what's the focus? Where are you and how do you be great at the things you do? I'm not saying don't do it. What I'm saying okay. is 
is, and, I, and I'm relating this specifically to a retail world. Like thinking okay. about what we're doing with City, the month of November for them is insanity, right? Correct. To try to implement a lot of new processes and a lot of new things when you know you're slammed with business as is, is a recipe for failure. You're Correct. trying to run up against the wall as opposed to saying, let's get really great at what we're doing. Let's make sure we execute really well in this time of high traffic. And then as soon as we know we've got a second, let's implement the next thing in, in order to be able to do that. So I think so we're speaking what, the same language. What, whatever world you're living in, managing the calendar, you know, and so is I agree. I agree with you. Having three major initiatives is fantastic. You know, you can't really do more. I had somebody approach me yesterday. They have a pretty decent product. They just said, doesn't fit right now. We're pretty focused on those three. So I would take away, but there are certain basic fundamentals that you knew practicing was not something that you would ebb and flow. That was on my calendar Consistent. all the time. Consistently. Correct. And then you add and subtract other things. So we are talking the thing. It's a good thing because I would jump across the screen <laughs> and I'm still still old enough to kick your ass. I'll relate it to health for you too. Like working out for me is year round. I'm never going to take a whole month off from working out, but I'm only going to do whole 30, like hardcore whole 30 for a month. I'm only going to really train my diet in January and February. I know that in November and December, I'm going to be disciplined, but I'm going to allow myself to have the cake. At, at Christmas. I'm gonna allow myself to have the pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. I know in my mind it's stupid for me to try to be hardcore disciplined during those two months about diet. It doesn't make sense. So make it make sense timeline-wise for yourself to set you set yourself up for success. So one staying in the thing. in the buckets of three. Yeah, go ahead. I love it because one other thing, just a sidebar, a distraction, if you will. Um, the CEO of Whole30. Um, was featured on something. I'm buying kettle and fire soup. It's bone broth soup. Oh yeah, I have it. I love bone broth. She's a big proponent of it. We've been we've been eating it or, or that for a while. Now she, they've come out with a whole bunch of new flavors. So uh, she was featured, and I was like, oh my god, look at this lady. So anyway, so Alexandra says, you know, I love Whole Thirty. Best reset. It's a great reset. But then instead of going off of it completely. We've created discipline for ourselves that we say when we're in the house, we eat Whole30. If we're out, we can choose to eat how we want and do what we want. But this is our balance of making sure that we don't go from one end of the spectrum to the other. You create that consistency in everything you do. It's not on and off. It's really high, medium grade, really high, medium grade, really high, medium grade. And that allows you to create real consistent behaviors that allow you to ex excel over a long time. So in the buckets of three, I want to take this to a content uh, a content um, uh, conversation because we talk about it all the time. And what you talked about yesterday and, and staying on this theme, I know you're going to continue it tomorrow about social media. But, you know, when we talk about content, we see the number three is pervasive throughout some of the greatest stories throughout comedy, throughout uh, speeches. They're all broken up into these threes, three little pigs, three blind mice, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears, the three musketeers, the three wise men, the three stooges. 
It's yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, of course. I was hoping and, you were going there, man. <laughs> in Hollywood, the three-act structure, right? You know, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And then as you talk about, you know, going into all the different sections of doing a presentation and why it's three bullet points, when you talk about how you create ideas, right? Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, government for the people, by the people, for the people, you know, friends, Romans, countrymen, blood, sweat, tears, all of these things focus yada, on three. Yada, 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 yada. 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 <laughs> so how can you take that and really apply it to the way that you build your content out? Because it's not just about creating content, right? If you're going to get into a space where you're a thought leader or a subject matter expert, if you're going to create engagement through the content, you got to understand how to build it. So there's got to be, you know, the setup, the anticipation and the punchline in comedy, the ways a uh, standup structures their, their jokes. So for you guys that are out there, if you're not believing in the way content is working right now, LinkedIn and Edelman put out some research that has facts based on how decision makers are receiving content through LinkedIn. 88% of decision makers agree that thought leadership is effective at enhancing the perceptions of an organization. So 88% of the people that are making the buying decisions within an organization are getting thought leadership brought to them somehow, some way, and saying, yes, this 100% affects my behavior on how I view an organization. That's 40... uh, by the way, right by the way, 88% is nine out of every 10 people. <laughs> Come on, Correct. 47% of C-suite executives say they shared contact information after reading thought leadership content. So for those of you that are getting into the content creation game, documenting what you're doing is your part of building personal brand, but how are you leveraging your expertise in creating content that's easy to consume? Understand that you've got essentially a tenth of a second to grab somebody's attention, and then you've got maybe three seconds for them to read what you're putting out there and make a decision on whether or not they like it and want to continue to consume it in order to get to these places. So here are some ways that the, that the thought that uh, decision makers are actually receiving the information. 47% found it through discovery, meaning their decision maker found the content through their LinkedIn feed or through a web search or a social search. 32% is pushed via forwards from colleagues, conferences, or other sources. And 18% is amplified via a paid uh, app or a paid ad. So here's real data in real time right now about how content creation and being a thought leader in the space is directly affecting business development and how C-level people are seeing you and your organization. So I know you're gonna get into tomorrow about how to build trust and some other things, but this is a conversation, guys, in a world that's happening real time and it's not gonna last forever. This organic reach on LinkedIn will eventually stop. It's already stopped on Facebook. It's already stopped on Instagram. You gotta pay to play in those platforms. Here on LinkedIn, you still have the opportunity, but you can't waste time. You've got to start developing the personal 
and the thought leadership side of your content and how you put it out there. Uh, so uh, unbelievable. I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I think it may be time for another town hall where you and I go deep dive into this and invite people in because 30 minutes in a daily huddle is not going to cut it. But one of the things that you pointed out there that I really want to stress is be easy to find. You know, LinkedIn has a contact a place where you can find contact info. Most people don't have their phone number and their email, their email proper there. email there. It's like, listen, I don't want it to be a guessing game. If you search me out, I want you to be able to click, click, get right to me. So, you know, this is not a hide and seek game. This is look at me, look at me, look at me. So, so you um, want your three, you want your three core principles. Let's stick with three for the three for the day. Being easy to find being engaging and delivering real value. There you go. There are your three core principles to developing the content, but then what's the meat? What are you putting out there that's going to develop you as a person and as a thought leader in your space? If you don't know how to do that, I would love to have the conversation with you because it's extremely important right now. And that's the opportunity. Tune in tomorrow because a lot of where I'm starting the conversation is how to build content. Listen, I'm dealing with CEOs who who said, hey, listen, I just don't know how, you know? And, and again, you know, the people at Affleck said, no one ever taught us. So, you know, it's not dumb. It's not poor you. It's, hey, learn, figure this out, get better, get 1% better every day at being in this unbelievable networking event that allows us to do shit like this. Thank you, everybody, man. This is great. Let's go. So a tenacious Tuesday. Go get after it today. Create some content for yourself. Get into the pool. Dive in head first and have a fantastic Tuesday. And let's be back here tomorrow for Wisdom Wednesday. See you on Wednesday.